0: Well, I'd like to welcome you, oh future teachers of mindfulness meditation. I'm Tara Brock. And I'm Jack Kornfield. Warm greetings to you. To support you in your training, we've created a special podcast series of the best wisdom teachings from previous years of our teacher training. Now we know that sometimes simply listening and not having to watch a screen is a really good way to open, receive, and learn. The wisdom you'll hear is timeless so while you may hear references to time you'll easily connect with the truths that are being shared may this rich selection of some of our favorite training sessions deepen your understanding of mindfulness and compassion and bring a new dimension to your teaching we hope you enjoy these special recordings many blessings
1: Hello and welcome, welcome everyone to our mindful Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training or Certification Program broadcast. My name is Christy Peoples. I'm a producer here at Sounds True, and I am going to be your host for this session. Today, we are extremely privileged to have Tara Brock joining us live from her home in Great Falls, Virginia. As you've already heard, we're gonna have time for some questions during the second half of our session today. And so to submit those questions, once again, use that Q&A button at the bottom of your screen, and you're gonna be invited to join us on camera if your question is selected. Thank you again for your presence. Welcome, Tara.
0: Thank you, Christy. Always good to have you moderating. And welcome, friends. Uh, A deep namaste. Really. um, just feels so good to be with you. Um, I hope hope this entry into the program has been as smooth and rich and good as possible. And our theme today uh, is one I just so love. It's really... The very ground of everything we do which is teaching about embodiment, really teaching about mindful awareness of bodily sensations and senses. And it really gives rise, this mindful awareness gives rise to what we most cherish. I mean if we can be awake in our bodies we feel love. And if we're awake in our bodies we feel compassion and just full aliveness. And embodiment is also, um, it's really a direct portal to wisdom because if we're right here inhabiting living presence we can directly perceive uh, the nature of reality, how things change and how behind all that change is this uh, formless presence. So it's right at, it's right at the heart of it all. And to honor that, in the spirit of that, I thought we'd just pause right from the get-go and invite you to turn your attention inward for a few moments. And however that works for you, for some, closing your eyes for others, maybe your cast down downcast gaze or. Whatever posture you're comfortable in, just let the attention go inward and feel this breathing body. You might notice as you attend what wants to let go a little. There can be some softening some dissolving, perhaps with the out-breath, some releasing. And bringing a real interest and gentleness and care, just opening to this field of sensations that are, that's right here. Notice what happens when you really let your awareness fill your body. When you keep coming back and opening to and letting go into the aliveness right here. noticing the tendency to drift and also the possibility of relaxing back without any resistance, just feeling, what's it like right now? Tingling, vibrating, places of pressure, weight, Lightness, flow, pleasant, unpleasant. How everything's changing. And in the background of that changing flow, this presence, that which is aware. And bringing presence now to your heart, just noticing and feeling sensations, maybe there's numbness, maybe there's sensitivity, vulnerability, just sensing the heart. Let's see if you can feel your way into a collective heart space, just imagining and feeling us all together. And taking some moments from from this collective heart space to feel our shared prayer bringing our hearts to those uh, who were recently murdered in Florida, Asian-American women, feeling the whole Asian-American community that's endured so much violence in this country, especially during the pandemic. Feeling more broadly all those who've been targeted, violated in our society. So this this presence and heart space includes all those suffering with care. And just bringing our caring and our attention right here, right now, this moment, as you are ready, taking a few full breaths, opening your eyes, if they're closed, coming back. So thank you, friends. I really appreciate that as a community we can bring our our presence and our hearts together like this. Um, So in this session what I'd like to do is speak a bit about what has helped me in teaching about mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of sensations. Uh, Then we'll open to questions. It will total about an hour, may go over five minutes or so. The given I think that we're all kind of operating from is that to varying degrees, we and our students regularly leave our bodies. We get lost in virtual realms of thought and we disconnect so that we're not aware a lot of the time. Big swaths of the day of the sensations in our body, what what our senses are picking up, our feelings. We're not aware of how we're moving through space. Um, it's, we're dissociated to a certain degree. And I think it was last year I was preparing a talk on the blessings of presence, some, something like that, and. I was in the shower and I was reflecting on what would be a really good illustrative story and what poems and, you know, that kind of thing. And I found myself slathering my hair with shaving cream. <laughs> I know later my, my husband remarked that it was a good thing I didn't move on to shaving, <laughs> you know, as I was contemplating these, these things about presents. But anyway, of course, I thought to myself at the time, this is something I will keep to myself. But so it goes, here we are. Um, But what we know about is that our brains have a default setting. And if our attention is not occupied, we just keep scanning the future or the past, we try to solve problems, we try to figure things out. And of course you've probably noticed the more stressed or anxious, The busier the mind gets with its plans and worries, and the less we're here. I mean, we are I, I like the image of we're on a bicycle, and the more anxious we are, the faster we pedal away from the present moment, where we can experience sensations and life. And the poet, philosopher John O'Donohue, who's passed away about eight years ago, he he writes this, he says that our bodies know that they belong to life, that they belong to spirit. It's our minds that make our lives so homeless. So it's such a precious domain of teaching that we're, we're kind of helping people to see how do you leave? I mean, how do you leave what's here? And, and guiding and inviting them, it's kind of a homecoming, inviting them home. And one of the key pieces as a teacher that we all need to always keep in our awareness is that for many a body does not, feeling the body does not feel like being at home. It feels, it can be traumatizing, it can feel unsafe, it can feel unpleasant. So that always needs to be right there in our awareness. And. As we move on in this training, there are a number of future sessions where we're going to keep pointing back to this. That um, it's hard. I mean, it's hard for many people to feel their bodies, and it it takes a lot of care. Um, It's only when we feel safe enough that we can actually start cultivating real mindfulness of the body. And as we'll point to, I'll just mention a few things that that. Our guidance needs to offer all sorts of options to respect those sensitivities so that I'll often say, you know, um, as you bring your attention inside, you might keep your eyes open or you might have a, your gaze downcast, but give some options and find the posture that allows you to feel grounded and safe. You know, things, things like that um, bring real interest and gentleness. And know that if you're being invited into the body and, it, and it's not working, trust your own intuition and turn your attention to something else. So I'm putting a little bit of a bookmark around that because we're going to come back over the months to this. When you're teaching, when you're introducing mindfulness of sensations and when you go deeper into it with your students, it's really useful to keep inviting their attention right back to the body in, in that time that you're teaching. Um, and you can use little inquiries or reflections to help do it. Like for instance what I'll often do – and you can try it right now – is just to check in and say, well, was I, as I was listening was I aware of my body? As I was listening just now was I aware of my posture? even as I said that I felt myself adjusting, (laughs) aware of my breathing, you know? You know, if it's safe enough, you can say, well, was I aware of feeling a little from the inside out? Could I feel the energy in my hands, my feet, my belly? So we keep inviting back to keep the senses awake so that we're listening to and feeling the moment. And you might review today and yesterday because I don't know where you are in today. And I invite people to do this all the time and sense how many moments was your body and your mind in the same place at the same time so you could actually feel the air on your cheeks or listen to the birds or see the silhouette of the trees against the sky. You know, how many times did you pause and just feel your breath? Or, you know, Rumi says, did you do you make regular visits to yourself? How many moments did you just feel into the body and sense? Well, what's the mood here? And how many moments were you present enough with another to, if you were, if you had a hug, if you're blessed to be living with another, to be there and feel the hug? So, this is something we can do with our students is just invite them to check. Were you here? Were you here? Because deep down we have FOMO, fear of missing out, and being in a virtual reality means we miss out on this living world. Like one teacher advises, don't go far from the body. And for most of your students with even a little exposure to practice, what's revealed is the universal challenge. staying here embodied. That's what's revealed. And the most common reports that I get is, well, I'm always lost in thoughts, or I can't actually feel sensations in a lot of my body. Or people will say, I can feel, I can touch in, but then I can't stay. Or some will say, "I, I feel and I stay, but I start getting judgmental and reactive. And then of course you're going to hear When I try it feels overwhelming and that's of course your signal. There's trauma and to really uh, give ways of paying attention that can make it safer. So the point is this, that it is rare that we and our students actually rest very wakefully allowing, non-resisting in the changing flow of sensation. It's not so common. So part of what you're exploring with students is what makes this so difficult. And, and you're helping them to get familiar with the trance of thinking that pulls them away. Because you can't even come back if you're not aware of that. So again, here's an example of just an inquiry. Um, and as you do this, if it's helpful, you can either close your eyes or lower your gaze is to take a moment – and again, I invite you to check how safe it is for you – but bring awareness to the body and see if, as you do, you can feel from the inside out. So let your intention be to, to rest in the field of changing sensations, to feel perhaps the throat the chest and the belly. Feel the center line of your body, but feel from the inside out. And if it helps to breathe, to steady yourself, feel from the inside out. What's it like? And you might ask yourself, what in this moment is between me and really being at home in my body? Ask yourself. For some, you might say, well, it's just keep getting pulled back into thoughts. And another might say, it's really unpleasant, the sensations. Or there's fear that comes up. It's helpful to frame uh, that entering the body is really entering the wilderness. I've had many people say, it really helps me to get that," that, that we are nature. And this is the wilderness. And it's a realm that's changing, it's raw, it's intense. It's sometimes pleasurable, sometimes painful. But a key feature in the wilderness is it's out of control. I mean, this is where fear lives. And of course it's also where love and the intensity of aliveness lives. It's where the mystery is. So again, as you're checking, you might just sense this is the wilderness. And re-surrender into and feel as much as helps as it's possible for you to and feel safe enough. And you might even ask, who am I in this wilderness? When you're really opening to the wilderness, who am I? Can you find a self? And what many discover with that inquiry is that to the degree you really stay in the wilderness, it strips away the identity of self. You can't really find a self. Because the controller, the doing, controlled self, controlling self is out of a job in those moments. So it can feel like there's restlessness or anxiousness or unfamiliar, or uncomfortable or scary. And the wilderness is a portal to freedom because it's where you can start discovering who you are beyond the self. Okay, friends, if your eyes are closed or inward, you can open your eyes, bring your attention here. Okay, good to see you. So here's the deal. And I wanted you to touch into that deeper facet, is that the habit is to leave the wilderness. We humans try to, the doing self wants to control things and we dissociate. And we go into our security control tower of thinking, into virtual reality. and. Of course we need to think, but we get addicted to thinking and we vacate the premises, we leave. And that's what creates a kind of trance. So when you're working with students you are offering them two basic approaches to waking up out of the virtual reality of a trance and coming into the body. And one of them is formal practice, formal meditation practices. And these are ones you've been introduced to, like the body scan, being able to move from learning again and again to move from thoughts back into the body, bringing a kind and interested attention to the experience of sensations. So that's the formal practices. What I want to spend a little more time with today is the informal practices that, in a profound way, help. Our students to wake up to uh, mindfulness of the body. And one domain of those is to choose certain activities during the day, and you invite them to choose activities that they feel they can kind of check out what life in the body is like. And it could be um, when they're walking to a mailbox or washing dishes or folding laundry, you know, eating, drinking tea, taking a shower. can work for some people. Um, So that's one way, is that you choose certain activities and say, come back to the body and really feel your body during those. The second way is when you have a sign that you really have been off in a trance, come back, explore coming back, even if it's just taking a few breaths and saying, what's it like right now? but come back. And, and invite your students to have an anchor for a presence in their body. It could be the breath, it could be sensations in the hands where they just take a, a pause and breathe and feel what's here. So part of what is going to be really helpful when you're teaching informal meditation, you know, coming back during the day, is to give them some suggestions of the kind of um signals of trance where they might practice and i want to give i want to share with you the four that i give people that i find is really helpful when they get caught in in this kind of a thinking trance this is the time to practice coming back to your body okay and one of them is during obsessive thinking i mean we have so many repeating cycling thoughts of fear and worry and rehearsing and i often invite people to pick the, the regular visitors where they know it's not serving. And um, there's a, a, a very cute little story about a mom who sends her, son a, sends her son, this is from way, way back, a telegram. And it says, start worrying, details to follow. <laughs> and I've always loved that because we know what our thoughts are like. They, it's just worry, it's just anxiety trying to attach itself to something, right? So choose, invite your students and practice yourself choosing some of those regular types of worries and saying, when this comes up, I'm coming back to my body. And there's a really important question that you can share with your students, which is, what am I unwilling to feel? What am I unwilling to feel? So that's the first domain of thinking that people can practice with informally that really wakes them up, okay, is those obsessive circling thoughts. The second one is judgment. We know it, that we're so habituated to judging ourselves and others. There's that negativity bias of something's wrong. To invite your students to notice when that's really predominant and say, okay, Time to come back. Awareness of the body. Interrupt the judgment. What am I unwilling to feel? Breathe and feel it." That's the second one. Obsessive thoughts, judgmental thinking. The third I want to mention is when we're doing our favorite mode of self-distracting or of numbing. It may be, you know, Going after the next helping of something, but it's most commonly for many also the internet. Like how many times do we check our email or our text when we don't really have to? And I won't do a hand raise if you if we were together. I might say okay, and we'd all have our hands up because we all know it. So what I'll often challenge students to do and check it out: one out of four times that you have the reflex to check texts or emails just pause come back to the body what am i unwilling to feel and then just breathe and feel your body it's very revealing okay the fourth one is when your students catch themselves speeding and we all speed we all just find ourselves moving around our own home or what in doings going fast because there's a undercurrent In our lives I don't have enough time. And what people discover at retreats – and I know that you've probably felt this – is that when we walk half as fast we discover twice as much, we experience twice as much. So speeding disconnects us from our bodily experience. So invite people to explore that, to just when you're speeding, you know, just find out what happens if you slow down and come back to the body. And what people find in all of these in each of these returning from a trance into the body, is that often it's really uncomfortable to rearrive. I know it for myself. I know so well how when I am caught in something and I first rearrive, it's like I just want to keep steaming ahead. and all that energy that is really bicycling away from the present moments being pulled back and there's anxiety and discomfort, it's back to the wilderness, you know, it's out of control. But this is the deal. When we're cutting off from the body's fear, we're also cutting off from the body's love and the body's wisdom. And I think Carl Jung put it so beautifully when he said one of the greatest influences on their offspring and on themselves is the unlived life of the parent. I'm going to say that one again because it's helped me so much. One of the greatest influences on their offspring and on themselves is the unlived life of the parent. It could mean never pursued music. But in a deeper way it's never really touched into and expressed the the passions, the tender heart, the soul, the fears, the loneliness, that unlived life that we need to live to process and digest and transform. And so when I'm teaching students about all the ways they leave their body, I'm mostly saying, out of love for life, come back. <laughs> and that's the message. And if there's trauma, come back slowly, carefully, with so much care. So I want to stop there because I've spoken a lot and see what questions you have about this. Um, invite uh, Christy, if you will, to to share maybe the first question. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Tara.
1: We're going to bring in Yufa who has a good question uh, around this that pertains specifically to being an immigrant from China. And so Jen is going to help us bring Yufa forward to ask that question. And there have also been a number of questions that you've already answered about how best to bring students back who are resistant to being in the body, as well? That's a big concern for all, for many of us, practicing and otherwise. So while we're waiting for Yufa to come forward, I'm going to go ahead and ask the question. Yufa <laughs> writes, "Hi Tara, I am an immigrant from China." With the anti-Asian violence that happened recently, I feel a strong resistance whenever I practice embodiment. What do you recommend for those of us who are struggling to practice?
2: Hmm.
0: Hi, Tara. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi, Yufa. Hi. Hi. Now, I'm waiting to see you, and I'm not sure what it will take to get you on my screen. Sarah, maybe if you
1: click the speaker view, and and Yufa, if you speak, then your
0: image will pop up for us.
3: Okay. Should I just keep talking?
0: <laughs> oh, okay, hold on a moment. I'm almost with you. Yeah. I just have to go back to speaker, and then there you go. I've got you there, thank you. (laughs) Lovely to see you, dear.
3: Thank you, hi, Tara.
0: Yeah, Yeah. hi. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm touched that you're the first question, and I'm, you know, cause it's such a big deal what's going on. There's so much, uh, there's been so much violence all along, it's been so much intensified and, So thank you for bringing yourself here. And tell me a little what happens when you try to be in your body so I have a better understanding.
3: Hmm. Uh, It can be both extremes. You know, they're both the numbness and also just a little bit too overwhelming. So I just kind of stopped practicing. Um, You go both ways.
0: And how do you work with that? What's your what's your way of, um, you know, when you're feeling that, what do you do?
3: That's a great question. I, you know, I remember you and Jack talking about really have an anchor, really have a person that loves you, right? So I always go back to that person. And when I feel that way, so that's super helpful. And I've been doing some of the informal Uh, embodiment you mentioned like really feeling you know washing my dishes really feeling my fingers um yeah the little things count (laughs) i try
0: (laughs) yeah well you're you actually just named two very really wise pathways and the first one is that you recognize okay it's overwhelming that's not it's not healthy to go into the body where you feel overwhelmed um, you need some more resourcing first. And so you're you're doing a very beautiful way of resourcing by bringing up someone you love that helps to create more of a, a feeling of safety. Mm-hmm. And when you feel that safety, do you then uh, feel back into your body?
3: Depends. Sometimes I just stop there because it's super overwhelming. Um, yeah, I usually stop.
0: And stopping again is completely wise if it feels like it's too much. And so here's the place for you to explore is that once you bring to mind this person, do you visualize them? How do, how do you bring them to mind?
3: Yeah, I visualize my mom.
0: I Visualize her. your mom. Uh, yeah. I love visualizing mom. So thank you. <laughs>
2: yes, yeah, so you
0: visualize her. And then what? Do you just see her image or is there something more? Uh, give me me a hug,
3: and Mm -hmm. you know, yeah.
0: So you can actually visualize her giving you a hug, and do you feel the hug? Like, can you feel her arms around you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, what what's that like for you? What what comes up when that happens?
3: Um, a sense of warmth in my belly.
0: Okay. So you feel a sense of warmth in your belly. And then what? If you, I mean, if you can just kind of tune in a little more. So you feel, you feel her embrace, you feel warmth in your belly. And what else? Mm. Yeah,
3: I usually just stop there. That's a great question. Maybe should I keep going? That's my concern It's like, if I keep going, and sometimes it, it might get a little bit too much again.
0: Well, it depends. If you keep going and it turns itself into back into fear, then then it's not a, it's not that useful a pathway. But here, I'll g- give you a little bit of something to work with, and then see how it goes. Which is okay. that to go ahead and 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 bring your mom forth as a resource and feel the hug, and let that warmth in your belly sense how much safety, ease, peace, comfort. Is really there with that. In other mm-hmm. words, let that be very physical. Let it mm-hmm. fill your body. F- feel the realness of how love really does hold us. And it really, it's like in the midst of this living-dying world, if we really feel that connection, there's a huge amount more resilience. So see how you can deepen the power of that resource. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to experiment a little, then let yourself bring to mind the situations or whatever triggers the unease and see if you have enough space for it. And if you don't, turn your attention away from it. But I'm giving you kind of a um, a preview of how we work with, with trauma, which is really anchor well in the resource. Like may, let mm-hmm. it be very very full, and then just to see okay how much can I pay attention to where the fear is and still feel stable and safe, still feel so you can feel tender, you can feel heartbroken, but you don't feel overwhelmed because there's a difference. Mm. Does that resonate for you? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good. I
3: think part of me feels like um, because my mom is also Asian American, right? So at the end, I think fears comes up again because you know I care about her as well. So, yeah, does it make sense?
0: So yes, so it okay. it does, and I get exactly why it would be a resource, but also have some vulnerability. So yeah. you might sense what would what other. If you kept enlarging it, what else might you call in that would be protecting you and your mom? Hmm. And and here's the thing. I see. We can't we can't ever be safe in the sense of sure that we're not going to be violated and attacked. So it's a more of a spiritual refuge where you start sensing, well, the amount of love and care that's here can carry us even through hardship because in a way if I said, you know, I want to feel protected so that I'm not going to die, you know, can't do it. Mm -hmm. But what we can do is feel like there is connection that's so available, like you and I can be here right this moment and feel our hearts connected. And there's something timeless in that that's bigger than the things we're afraid of. Mm -hmm. So keep enlarging the resource, like feel your mother, but feel the whole the whole circle of beings that care and and are tr- are trying to find their way to healing in the midst, and all the allies, the people that really care along with you, you know like keep enlarging it so that caring ends up being larger than the fear mm. That's the path of safety. Yeah, real safety. All right, sweetie, thank you for being here and for your question. And please know our hearts are with you and all our our Asian friends.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Blessings. Yeah. Thank you, Yufa. We have a question from Gianna Valifuoco. I hope I've pronounced your name correctly, Gianna. And her question represents a number of questions that have come through about chronic pain. And she writes, for students who struggle with chronic physical pain, do you have recommendations for finding embodiment or connecting with a body that is also a reminder and source of pain? And so, as we're waiting for her to come forward, I just wanted to offer that.
0: Again, we're I, th- I thought to myself about the questions today, and I realized that the mo- the questions that are going to be most deep and important are going to be questions that we're addressing over the months. <laughs> you know, in the trauma sessions and the pain sessions. See so what you please know that whatever I say that you're going to be going deeper into these. Um, and I love that these questions are coming right now. It's beautiful. So, yeah. So Jana, we're waiting, I think, for you. I'm
2: so sorry.
0: <laughs> so speak a little more so we can get you spotlighted.
2: I'm so sorry. I, I don't know if you can hear me. Oh, there we go. Yes. I apologize. And I don't know how to, I, I'm, it's not the regular zoom so i'm sorry i can't um figure out where the button is for my camera but i'm smiling and grateful <laughs> <laughs> and you pronounced my name quite beautifully so that was perfect i you know i um i have have been teaching mindfulness um to some communities that that tend to experience a lot of physical pain mm. i've experienced it of course as a human myself And that has come up several times that it's hard to really draw ourselves into the body when we are feeling that physical pain because it's a trigger and a reminder. And it's um, almost reflexive to shy away from that pain.
0: It's so true. And as I said, this is one of the questions that Everybody comes up with it sometime because we all go into pain, and for those with chronic pain, it's really a challenge. So, I'm going to name a few things that are helpful in just approaching it. And one, do you find, Janet, for yourself, when uh, you're when the pain is there, that um, you're, that fear comes up also?
2: Yes, very much so. It's it's connected. I think it's, it's almost instinctive. So it's, a, the, the, it's obviously part of the source of the pain <laughs> or, or at least tied to the source of the pain. That's right. And it's really useful
0: in teaching to point that out, that, it's, it's, that the unpleasant sensations might or might not be tolerable. But what really uh, brings the suffering is that there's fear of them. You know, there's that that equation of, you know, pain times resistance equals suffering. And that fear, the more more we resist fearfully is what creates the suffering. So one thing is just to be able to name fear, just say fear, fear, and and, and just offer care to the fear. (laughs) That itself is really, really helpful. So you're not trying right then and there to go dive into the unpleasant sensations or the pain but you're acknowledging the emotion that's surrounding it you're naming it and bringing care to it because that always enlarges this whole field of consciousness does
2: that resonate for you very much so And, and in fact um you i used your rain method with my daughter once and She was experiencing she didn't realize she had this terrible fear of death Mm -hmm. um she's 17 and you had said and i repeated this um i i said take away i'm scared and just leave it as scared and that just revealing the word scared or fear and separating it as something outside we could say in this situation outside of the body um was very powerful When we did this and I didn't really think about it (laughs) in teaching, embodying, you know, I I didn't really make the correlation until you said that right now. Well, and you
0: and you just added a piece that's really wise, Jenna, which is not even I'm scared, but scared because what that does is it helps the who we are to be bigger than the fear. And as the shamans say, you know, if you can name a fear doesn't have as much power. So, so, this is definitely translates to working with chronic pain, because I know for myself, I've gone through phases of chronic pain, and it's not the pain, it's not the sensations of unpleasantness that are so difficult. It's the stories I'm telling, the fear stories about how long is this going to last, and how much of my life is going to be deprived because of this, and what the worst thing can happen is. so if so that's one level of working with chronic pain is to catch. The fear that floats around it and just bring it into the light of awareness with a huge amount of kindness. Thank you. That is truly incredibly helpful. Thank you. And then you'll be, and as we go into the pain segment, you'll be learning strategies that directly are well, okay, when we come into the body, there's real unpleasantness. How do we work with that? And sometimes, it's by paying attention to other senses like listening and using other or looking at something outside to to establish a larger field so that we can then from that larger field touch in and out of the constellations of unpleasant sensations with more freedom. So that's just giving you a little bit of that there's more to come on that one, which I'm sure you've explored some. Yes. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Tara. Blessings, dear. Thank you. You too. Yeah. Thank you, Jana. The
1: next question I want to invite comes from comes from Ingo Dolker. So Ingo, I want to invite you to ask your question, please. As Ingo comes forward, it's interesting because there have been a number of Hello. questions. Yes, Ingo.
4: Hello. Can you can you also see me?
1: Yes. Now we can.
4: Unfortunately, I don't know how to put get my camera on because I only see my own pictures. So
1: that that's good enough. That's yeah. good.
0: <laughs> That's fine. Yes, please. I'm not yet seeing Ingo. Um, Ah. I'm not sure why that is. Ingo, please keep speaking so we can have your.
4: Okay. So I I will try to say, well, well. Interestingly enough, uh, to me, it's 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 the question that uh, the if if perceiving mode is open, it's like a openness to awareness uh, that. Almost impedes me to go into action, so it's like almost like being torn into two pieces. Like uh, either I am in perceiving mode, so I'm I'm almost like paralyzed because I just receive, or I'm in doing mode, and then I have a tendency of losing my uh, attention on the perceiving, and and it's kind of in in very like slow mo situations, it's kind of easy to hold both. But as soon as things speed up or complexity goes up, it's like it's it's almost like uh, torn uh, being torn in two.
0: So you are um, articulating this very very well, and it lets me know that you're uh, you're paying deep attention. So I just want to honor that and go and and then to say that's the tendency is that when we're in a receptive mode. We're picking up a lot, but it doesn't. But as soon as we go into action, what happens is that what constellates is a sense of a doing self with trying to get somewhere, and we get a conceptual uh, kind of a a film over our direct experience. So we're no longer directly experiencing what's happening. And does that match thus far with what you're relating to?
4: in a way yes and in a way no uh what really is interesting that uh i i i can i can like it's almost like compassion and empathy one thing is just a feeling part and the other one is like there's a sending or an, an ability to be in interaction and uh interaction takes so much away from my from my attention and from my uh, my my being that i sometimes then like kind of loose contact of this open awareness.
0: Absolutely, so it's, it's like totally resonates. So what you're pointing to is, is the challenge and invitation of integration, which means how do we feel, oh, just one moment, let me see. There we go, now I have you on my screen. <laughs> um, how do we, how do we right now, as we're speaking, can, are you able? You're seeing me also. Yeah, but you just got you just muted. Can you're you're muted right now?
4: Now I'm now now you should be able to hear me.
0: Yeah great so here we are and let's just experiment okay so and i'm i'm looking at your eyes and taking you in now it's it's the visuals help me take take in more so i'm i'm in that receptive mode of i'm letting myself feel my body and my heart and just re- register your being and and you can try doing the same and the most powerful deepening is can we continue to speak but still have that receptivity so that we're not totally locked into a, a kind of habit of personality but still here?
4: I, I think it's like a, there's an I and a you and a we And the we can happen in a a slow-mo kind of situation. And if the situation speeds up, there is a risk of me falling back too much to the eye instead of being able to hold the we and the you.
0: That's exactly right. You said it beautifully. So if right now we look at each other's eyes and sense that there's a presence that's looking through our eyes, it's the same presence. Yeah. And we can feel that. And we could talk a little and stay slow. But as soon as we speed up, we're going to go back into the parts of our brain that perceive separation. Exactly. Which makes it a training. That's just all all that's all there is to say about it is that I know for myself, I have to keep practicing the embodiment, the receptivity, that sense of the field, feeling into the field, and also being engaged. Um, so that it's possible more and more to not recontract into separation.
4: It's 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 kind of like my antennas. If if they're open, it, there's like almost overwhelming me um, um, quantities of information coming in. So it's like a, it's like the beauty of heart opening, like right right now. Yeah. And and that now I'm able also to speak and to send. But that is kind of very fragile and almost like uh, it's, it's a kind of a vib- vibration that can be very easily break down.
0: That's that really is deeper training. I mean, it, it it feels to me like it's something every one of us that I know has to. Keep longing for and intending into and practicing because the way our, the architecture of our brain is such, and our fight, flight, freeze is such that we very, very quickly come back into a self that needs to promote or defend or be somebody.
4: Okay, so so what you what I'm hearing is that uh, that tendency of falling back is like uh, a, 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 like a form of defensive mode or a protective mode.
0: It's the habit of selfing. It's this is the way the selfing is organized, and meditation wakes us up, allows us to see it, and occupy a larger space. But it takes practice because we so quickly recontract. So what I do is I I actually do it as a as a practice where um, with my husband, I, you know, we will meditate together, and really the challenge and invitation is how long can we stay in this <laughs> and yeah. and then we notice when we've left and no judgment it's it's a it's a real adventure into the wilderness because it feels very undefended and yet what could be better
4: yeah it's kind of a dissolving of the self in a way if, if the, the we really comes up it's like a space that's beyond the I yeah that's
0: absolutely. right and it's yeah. why it sounds so nice when we talk about it let's shift from the I to the we And yet all of our defensive apparatus just springs forward so quickly. So it takes a lot of compassion and a lot of patience, but it's the most worthy thing in the world. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Blessings to you. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Ingo. Tara, we are at the edge of our time. And so, I would like to thank everyone for offering your questions. And there were so many questions that we weren't able to get to. Uh, Tara, I
0: understand you want to share something. Yeah. Yeah. I love that we're that this is our inquiry, and I love the range of questions and. Oh, it just feels so good to be with you all, and so I have a poem that I wanted to share. Uh, You might let your attention go into listening mode, however it best serves you. Um, And this is just a a poem in honor of a living, embodied presence, and it's written by Rebecca Baggett for her daughters. She says, "I want to tell you that the world is still." Beautiful. I tell you that despite children raped on city streets, shot down in schoolrooms, despite the slow poison seeping from old and ancient sins into our air, soil, water, despite the thinning film that encloses our aching world, despite my own terror and despair, I want you to know that spring is no small thing. That the tender grass is curling like a baby's fine hairs around your fingers are a recurring miracle. I want to tell you that the river rocks shine like God, that the crisp voices of the orange and gold October leaves are laughing at death. I want to remind you to look beneath the grass, to note the fragile hieroglyphs of ant. Snail, beetle. I want you to understand that you are no more and no less necessary than the brown recluse, the ruby throated hummingbird, the humpback whale, the prolific mimosa. I want to say, like Neruda, that I am waiting for a great and common tenderness. That I am waiting for a great and common tenderness that I still believe we are capable of attention, that anyone who notices the world must want to save it." So in the spirit of that great and common tenderness, we'll take a, a pause for this these last few moments to breathe and feel ourselves right here our bodies and our hearts as much as is safe and healthy for us, that we will feel this portal to that presence that connects us with all beings. that will feel that heart space that really is a great and common tenderness. And that lets us feel each of us here included. That lets us feel the ruby-throated hummingbird and the humpback whale and all the creatures of this world included, this great and common tenderness that holds this living world with love and with prayer. So I close with a a true Namaste to each of you for your good, bright, beautiful hearts. And thank you so much for being here and all blessings as you continue to move through uh, MMTCP together. Thank you.
1: Thank you all. Thank you, Tara. Thank you, everyone who joined us. I want to remind you that next month, we're going to be joined by Sebene Selassie for the next live session on April 23rd. For Sounds True, Christy Peoples, thanking you all once again for being with us. And Tara, before we go, can you offer the name of that poem and the poet one more time, if you have it available?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, the poet is Rebecca Baggett, and the poem's name is Testimony, and she wrote it for her daughters. Thank you.
1: Take good care, everyone.